This is Women's Leadership Success.com Radio, episode number 82. We all know that women are 50% of the population, and you may know that 46% of entry-level jobs are held by women. But here's the big question. Why does this number drop down to only 14% when we get to senior management? Do you think losing 84% of the most talented women is hurting companies' bottom line? Hell yes! So join me today to learn the steps that leading companies take to retain and attract female talent and at the same time dramatically increase profits. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life. No matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur, join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio, and today we're interviewing Melissa Greenwell. She is the Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of the national retailer, The Finish Line. She is also a certified executive coach who helps women and men understand how they can leverage natural strengths, and identify behavioral changes that will help them be successful as senior leaders. Um, She's written a new book called Money on the Table, How to Increase Profits Through Gender-Balanced Leadership. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Great. Well, I'm I'm really excited to interview you and um, uh, over... Over the years, uh, in the past seven years that I've had this radio program, we've had other people on talking about um, how to increase gender balance. And I'm excited because it seems like you have some new perspectives on this. So I'm looking forward to asking you about those as we uh, have this conversation. Um, now, we're, we're 50% of the population, and yet 46% and 46% of the entry-level jobs are held by women. But why does this figure drop down to 14% when we get to the C-level? Well, it's really because we're not keeping enough women in the uh, corporate America talent pipeline. So women are either not progressing um, past a certain point in their careers, generally supervisor manager level um, and then that means they're they're not in the pipeline to promote later into these senior leadership roles they are um, dropping out of corporate America and I think a lot of companies um, believe that the reason that that happens is because women decide to have families and stay home and take take care of families but uh, my research and um, other research shows that that is not uh, actually true. That's not where women actually go. Um, they, they go on to work differently, not not work. Right. I, I know a lot of really talented women that have started their own business, so that's part of it too, isn't it? Just yeah, absolutely. More businesses are started every year uh, in the United States by, by women versus men. Interesting. So this is probably a complicated 
thing that we're talking about, and we only have, um, you know, half an hour to do that. But um, let's let's begin. What what do you think has to change so that companies get women more engaged? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I believe is that uh, companies need to stop accepting it. Um, you know, stop accepting the fact that they're losing their female talent at a, at a critical point. This is usually when women, um, you know, have uh, accomplished their um, their education, their college educations, and they've been in organizations for a while. So companies have made the investment to train and develop um, a lot of these women, and and then they they lose them, um, and, and so. I think the first step is is to do actually what my company did, and that was, you know, from the very top, the CEO saying, you know, we're gonna we're gonna change some things, and and then better understanding what it was we needed to do differently to make an impact. Now, um, can you talk a little bit about what you changed, and then I have a follow up question for that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, it it really started with understanding that um, this female talent um, either needs or wants more flexibility in their life. So in this 24-7 connected world, um, not all work, but a lot of work can be done outside of what has typically been, you know, normal business hours. But what is that really anymore when we're all working, you know, sort of all the time? Um, so we began to think um, a lot more flexibly about, um, you know, flexible work hours and letting people work from home, um, you know, telecommuting, video conferencing. Um, you know, one of the CEOs that I interviewed for the book made a really great point, and, and he said, you know, a lot of women work at very kind of off or odd hours because they are balancing um, caring for a family so they they may you know leave the office a little early uh, or go offline a little early but they're back later in the evening after the kids are put to bed or whatever um, you know they're they're back online getting getting work done and and they don't like to waste time either so um, in his view uh, women um, tend to be uh, highly productive with their time particularly when they're allowed to manage it Interesting, uh, because I think one of the things I've heard in companies is somehow the impression that if if we allow the the flexible time, um, the person won't be as productive or they won't do as much work. And you're saying just the opposite. Oh, absolutely just the opposite, because, you know, I think a lot of women still view um, having this flexibility, and and men too, for that matter. I have a lot of, um, you know, Millennials who uh, dads who are starting families and they want those same benefits and so I think women and millennial men have that uh, in common but you know people won't waste their time when they're working like that and they still view it as somewhat of a privilege so um, they're they're highly um, productive and they're actually organizations um, that are studying this right now that have implemented flexible uh, work arrangements where they can for their employees and um, believe that they're seeing increased productivity. Do you have um, the names of some companies that people might go and look look at what they're doing? 
Yeah, one is, um, I, I think, an interesting one uh, to watch on this subject is Procter & Gamble. Um, so, you know, they have uh, definitely received some um, some very fantastic recognition relative to diversity, relative to uh, promoting women, and um, they they are one of the very large companies that is um, you know doing a, a lot of work and has has been actually for a very long time around um, having a flexible workforce. So I don't know that they have any um, data published, but um, they definitely have inferred that taking this approach um, has has yielded better uh, productivity. It, very interesting. So if a company implements uh, gender equality, how does it affect their profits? Um, so this this is where brain science comes into play. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it and it really is interesting, and it seems to really resonate with people when I, you know, when I go give talks on this this subject, when I start talking about the brain science and the physical differences between men and women's brains and how that um, predispositions us to think differently, to communicate differently, to problem solve differently. And there are certain um, behaviors that, not to a person necessarily, but to a gender, are common. So, you know, for men, um, you know, they tend at, tend to be as a gender um, less uh, risk averted and more action oriented, and women tend to be more uh, intuitive and um, perhaps you know better listeners. And so when you combine all of those traits in a room, you you are naturally going to be able to come up with the best solutions that develop the best uh, products and services for your customers or for your clients. So it, it's not different than the concept of, of the value of diversity, which has been talked about a lot, um, but it is the understanding that um, these different uh, qualities or behavioral tendencies exist in the different genders and that if we only have largely one gender in the room, we're really missing out on our, our full capability of problem solving. Well, that makes so much sense. And, and it, I'm wondering if, since most most companies, it's men at the top, if they have to think about those leadership positions a little differently. Mm-hmm. You know, that, yeah, the, yeah. all the research that says we pick people that are just like us. Right. So how do you help, how do you help those, how do you help men to begin to broaden their view of what a good leader is and, and what women can bring to the table? Yeah. So in my book, I actually identify the uh, traits most commonly displayed by uh, women in mm-hmm. this regard and the traits most commonly displayed by men. So you can really begin to kind of wrap your head around, well, it, you know, if, if I have all men or all women in the room, you know, there are five traits that I'm probably going to be uh, missing as a team. And I also talk about it in context of getting, um, you know, people to think about this in the context of their personal lives how many, um, you know, friends or relatives, couples um, have had, 
you know, one boy and one girl, and they say, well, as a family, our our family feels pretty full and complete. We're going to stop there. Mm-hmm. But the couple who's had, you know, two boys wants to try once more for a girl or, or vice versa. And it's really not different than that, you know, because people want the experience of that interaction and and raising both genders. Mm -hmm. Um, That that family structure, one girl, one boy, you know, feels very balanced to them. So if you you think about that concept in context of the business world, it's really not different. It makes a lot of sense. Um, as As you're talking, I have so many questions for you, so I'm kind of jumping around here, but I was thinking about this thing of, you know, how does how do we get, get the, men, the male leaders to think differently about women? And at the same time, what I know is this isn't passive. It's not like the woman's just sitting there and the leaders are doing this thing. What, what do we as women leaders, as women that want to be successful in, in businesses and companies, what is it that we need to start showing how do we need to show up what do we need to let people know that's maybe different than what we've been doing in the past you know women have a lot of behaviors that um that that we've been conditioned um you know to have socially for example you know we're raised to be polite we're raised not to interrupt other people when they're talking um we expect our contributions to be uh, recognized and for people to come to us and invite us to take on new responsibilities or new challenges. Mm-hmm. If you step back, and as I have over the decades, and, and watch the men around you, that's not at all how it works for them. They're out in front raising their hand, asking for the assignment, asking for the promotion, asking for more money. A lot of times, you know, before, um, well, we as women would, would think they're completely ready for the role. Um, and you know what? I'm not being critical of that. You know, really what I'm saying is that women have to do the same things. They've, they've got to be willing to step forward and take a little bit more risk, um, ask for an assignment before they think they are 100% ready because, most women will never think that they are a hundred percent ready mm-hmm. um, to to be uh, promoted unless someone uh, invites them, right? Unless someone puts that offer in front of them and convinces them that that they're ready. So it's it's stepping up and asking for what you want, and it's being willing to take the stretch and take the assignment, even though you you aren't a hundred percent. Ready for it? Yes, a- a- absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Speaking up, asking for what you want. Um, I picking a mentor that that's really important. I've had a number of uh, great mentors, and most of them men throughout my career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the asking for what you want, I actually have a a, a personal story that I can share with you briefly, if if, if yes, you like. Yes, yes. Um, so. Several years ago, I believed that I should be paid more money for um, the job that I was doing, and mm-hmm. I went to HR and had this conversation with HR, and HR in turn went and had the conversation with my boss, and uh, I did not get 
that raise. Uh, I did not get um, anything really that I was asking for. And so the next year, um, I went and had the conversation with my boss myself. And what I learned through that is that you absolutely have to be your own representative. You can't go through other people when it comes to asking for what you want. And in, in that scenario, I don't think I even completely got out of my mouth, you know, all the reasons why I thought it should be paid more and, and I got everything I asked for and, and probably then some. Um, and, and I think there's there's two reasons for that. One is no one can represent you as well as you can. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's a lot harder to tell someone no to their face than it is to tell someone else to go tell them no. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And the the mentor is not to go do it for you. It's to help you to develop the strategies. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So so critical. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how did you pick a, a mentor? What what did you find was the best way to do that? Well, a lot of people will wait until someone, again, women are polite, approaches them and sort of uh, unofficially, you know, sponsors them or, or helps them. Mm-hmm. And I will fully admit that that happened to me throughout my career. So I was fortunate that there were people who recognized that I could perhaps do more and were interested in, in pushing me and helping me along. I think women can speed up their careers if they go seek that assistance rather than waiting for someone to um, kind of pick them out from the, the crowd and notice them. So when it comes to picking a mentor, I think it's important to identify what you think you need to do differently or what you need help with, and then go find people that do that well. Um, you can't just go find a mentor and, and say, you know, okay, tell me, tell me what you think I should work on or, you know, what I should do to advance my career. You've got to have some some self-awareness and have some ideas of the kinds of things you need to get um, better or, or stronger in and then find people who um, demonstrate that skill really well and um, get advice from them. That's, that's really makes so much sense. I'm thinking I, I just... I helped somebody prepare for a job interview, and they they didn't get the job. And uh, we were doing a debrief afterwards, and this person said, well, there's no other openings right now, and it could be a long time. And one of the guys on the panel said he would help me. I said, that's great. I said, is there anybody else that you know? No, no, I don't know anybody. And I said, well, anybody that's ever offered to help you, Oh well, the vice president of the company, that who just got promoted, said if I ever needed anything, she would help me. And I said, bingo, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I find that many times people have offered to help, and and women haven't taken them up on it. Yes, so, a- absolutely, absolutely. And going and going hand in hand with that too is maintaining your network. Um, I think this is really important. It's been important for me, not just for my career, but when I need information or I need to find an answer to something that I don't know, the larger my network is, um, the more successful I will be because I've, I've got people who can point me in the right direction. 
um, you know, you can't be an expert in everything. So having a great network to help you throughout your career, uh, I think, is really critical. It, it, it make, it's it's paramount to great success for sure. How do you? What do you do to give back to a mentor or people on your network? How do you? How do you reciprocate? What do you find as a way you can do that? You know, it, I always make an open invitation. If there's anything that you know I can do uh, for you in return, and oftentimes people won't think of something right away, but something will come up. Uh, later down the road for them, and and they'll say um, it, it might be you know they need to connect someone with um, someone else in my space, whether it's retail or HR or whatever, someone else they know who needs help that perhaps I can better assist than they can. Mm-hmm. So those those you know, really um, you know kind of reciprocating and and giving those favors back, those opportunities present themselves. You just have to make sure that people understand that, you know, you're willing to help them any way you can in return. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I worked with a company that decided to make the diversity and gender equality one program. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't like this idea. Can Can you share why? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so it starts with um, women are 50% of the population, so Mm -hmm. women are not a minority. A lot of diversity initiatives are really um, aimed at um, being more inclusive and including minorities. Mm -hmm. I I don't like the idea of, um, you know, sort of putting this, this topic of, uh, gender diversity, um, you know, under this this big umbrella topic of diversity, because I believe that the action items um, that we need to take are different mm-hmm. um, to have more. Um, we'll call it gender. I call it gender diversity or gender balance. Um, I think those are different than the things that we need to do from a, you know a broader um, diversity initiative uh, perspective, and it goes back to the fact that, you know, men and women should be equal, but we are not the same. And men and women have different uh, development needs. Um, I experience this all the time when, when um, you know, as an executive coach and, you know, I'm working with females, um, I see a, a lot of trends in, in the kinds of behaviors that they need change to, um, you know, to exhibit stronger leadership skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are often not the same, uh, you know, it's kind of the same behavioral challenges that men necessarily have. So um, I just think we have to be more focused on affecting gender balance than maybe some broader diversity initiatives allow us um, to do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm also an executive coach, and I highly recommend that the women and men listening to this program get a coach because it's so valuable to do that. And the women, the people listening, part of the reason that I have this show is I want people that don't have access to a coach to learn from people like you. And how would you, let's let's assume right now you you can't get an, a coach for yourself, how would you find out what you need to develop? 
what what's a good way to do that? Well, I really like um, a technique that actually um, Marsha Goldsmith writes about. Um, you probably know who Marsha Goldsmith yeah, is. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. The forefather of yeah, right. coaching. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, he, he taught me a, te- a technique called feed forward, and it's the idea that you go and you ask um, people for suggestions on what you can do to be more effective. And the premise behind that is that people are um, the people you're asking are more motivated to give you suggestions because it's it's positive, right? I'm giving you I'm giving you suggestions for the future versus giving you feedback that could be perceived as negative. Mm-hmm. Here's something you did and and you didn't do it well or you did it wrong. Um, so um, I I use that. Uh, terminology and that that phrase a lot um, with people with my peers with people that report directly to me um, and a lot of times that leads to a conversation around a particular example of something that happened in the past but it's a lot more um, comfortable way to approach the conversation I like it and and I think um, it's important to go back and see how how you're doing Right. You know, so the person gave you this mm-hmm. feedback, and a month or two months later, you you asked them. So I've been working on this. How am I doing? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we're just about done, but I'm wondering, what would you want to say to men that are listening to this show? How can they how can they help women? Yep. Um, there's a few things that I think men can do that would make a big difference. So one is. Uh, sponsoring and mentoring high potential female talent in your organization. I think that can make a huge difference. Um, you know, taking a look around to, to see, you know, who's sort of operating under the radar because I think a lot of times women prefer to get things done versus being noticed. So I, I think, you know, men have to sort of pay closer attention when it comes to. Um, high potential female talent be because they're not always out in front raising their hand and waving their arms saying mm-hmm. you know, sort mm-hmm. of you know pick me pick me um, so that's one uh, I think the other is for men to reach outside their their typical or known uh, comfortable network so when we're looking for talent that doesn't exist inside the organization and we have to go outside I think it's really important for for everyone, but uh, men particularly, to um, reach out to networks that, um, you know, maybe they don't know as well in search of of high potential female talent. Can do you have an example? Well, I do. So uh, I'll, I can give you sort of a general example. Uh, you know, board of director searches. I, mm-hmm. I think you know this is a, a perfect example. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, um, you know, people are are brought onto corporate boards, sometimes through search firms, but a lot of times through just the networks of people we know. I think a lot of senior executive positions get filled the same way. Mm-hmm. And so if our networks um, are not um, gender diverse, then chances are we're not going to get um, gender diverse candidates. 
So um, a lot of times, though, you might think of another professional uh, woman that you know, whether it's in your industry or not in your industry, um, and, and think about networking with, um, you know, successful executive women that you do know mm-hmm. um, to find other female candidates. And so it, it requires more effort, you know, if these searches are going to take longer. Um, I, I think a lot of male executives who do recruit women for senior-level positions, they recognize that, they understand that, and they're committed to taking a little bit more time to find more female candidates versus, um, you know, kind of being in a hurry and, and just doing what might be a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And what about women, women that are successful in, in companies? What can they do to help this? Really the same things. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's sponsoring and, and mentoring high-potential female talent. Um, and, you know, it's, it's also, um, you know, pushing on <laughs> uh, breaking out of old habits and, and old policies and programs that have been in place that perhaps are not promoting a flexible work environment for women. It's it's pulling up, um, you know, female talent around them mm-hmm. um, that I think is really important. You know, back in the, um, you know, 80s and 90s, I think women um, got and perhaps deservedly so, sort of a bad rap for competing with one another versus helping one another because they they thought there were so few senior leadership roles um, to be had because it seemed like not, you know, there were not many opportunities for women that I, it was very, very competitive. And that as that begins to change, I think we need to understand that the way we will perpetuate that change is to help other women and not compete, not compete against them. I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, and we're just about out of time. And I'm, I, I love the last chapter of your book, and I hope everyone reads it. That your book, Money on the Table. But can you leave us with a kind of a rousing what we should go do? Um, what do you well, yeah, I, I think I really hope the first thing that people do is, is is read the book because I think it really sets the stage for creating more understanding and um, creating the vocabulary for having comfortable conversations within the organization. I can tell you that when I started having these conversations within finish line, you know, it, 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 at first it was a little sort of, you know, why are we talking about this? But then um, over a fairly short period of time, mm-hmm. a lot of people and, and notably uh, male leaders within the organization became um, advocates for accomplishing this, for having more gender balance in, in our leadership team. And, and we have made um, some significant uh, progress. So, you know, I, I think that we have to get over the hurdle of being afraid to talk about this as, as a first step mm-hmm. and educate the organization on why it makes um, great business sense. Right. This is, this is good for everyone, males and females. Definitely. Thank you so much, uh, Melissa, for taking the time to do this interview today. I I know my audience is going to really enjoy this, and I certainly have enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. You're welcome. Bye. I hope you like this show. If you did, I would really appreciate your help. 
I need more great reviews in iTunes or Stitcher.com because every great interview we get allows more women like you to discover the show and will help them to succeed too. Please visit iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe to Women's Leadership Success Podcast. Also, I really appreciate you sharing my show with your friends and associates. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brahm, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.